Welcome, I'm Liz Ware. And I'm Raelle Bell, and you're listening to That's Brilliant, a podcast by the American Lighting Association. This time we have a topic that I'm really excited about. It's dark skies. Yes, skies are dark at night, okay? Well, (laughs) but are they? Now, a lot of us live in urban environments with lots of bright lights and street lights and landscape lights, and that's fine. We need to see, we need to be able to navigate our sidewalks and not trip getting into the door. But we are apparently putting a lot more light into the outdoor environment that we need to. And we're also apparently pointing a lot of it up where it doesn't do us any good to see things, but it does impact wildlife and the environment. Oh, that's really interesting. I didn't think of it about it impacting wildlife and the environment like that. I'm excited to hear about that. We're going to find out all about that with our guest this time. Yes, today we have the Chief Executive Officer and Executive Director at the International Dark Sky Association, Ruskin Hartley. Ruskin has a background in conservation and he's served in leadership positions in various environmental organizations and nonprofits throughout his career. So he brings that knowledge to this dark sky topic. And he firmly believes that experiencing a dark sky and appreciating quality lighting are essential to the Dark Sky Association's mission. And so we're going to hear about what that means and what quality dark sky friendly lighting is. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, oh, I don't want to listen to an environmental conservation episode. I'm here for lighting. Well, he's got lots of practical nuts and bolts solutions about how to adjust lighting so that it works for everybody. And also for ALA members, there are sales opportunities here. There are things you can teach your customers about good outdoor lighting and sell them good outdoor lighting products. So it's a win-win. Yeah. Who doesn't want to have great outdoor lighting and also do something that could benefit the environment? I'm excited to hear about it. But before we jump into today's episode, we would like to thank our sponsors, Hinkley and Kitchler Lighting for supporting this podcast and the industry as a whole. Welcome, Ruskin. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be with you. So what is light pollution? I mean, I understand pollution, but I don't think I understand light pollution. Light pollution is, is it's pretty simple, but it's a, a source of pollution that most people haven't really thought of or really heard about. And, and really, it's when there should be a naturally dark light. It's when you go out and there's excess light in the sky, there's excess light in the ground. It's really about just changing the natural dark environment. Um, we like to say light pollution is one of the simplest sources of pollution to fix. We've had an earlier episode where we talked about circadian rhythms and, you know, needing bright days and dark nights. So this folds into that. Um, but this is mostly talking about outdoor lighting more than indoor lighting. This is about the natural environment. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, light, light pollution really has multitudes of, of impacts. I mean, many people, when they think about light pollution, think, oh, that means I can't see the stars. It blots out my view of the stars when there's too many lights around. But it goes beyond that. Light pollution impacts every living thing on the planet. Basically, for four billion years, um, everything has evolved under the natural rhythm of day and night. As you said, bright, sunny days and and dark nights and that that on, on and with the rhythm of the moon as well you know the, the the reality is if you go out in a dark location and the moon's up you will be able to navigate around um, and essentially what we have done by flooding 
the outdoor environment with excessive light is we have disrupted uh, that natural rhythm and sort of disconnected us from the, that, that pulse of the planet that's been around for millennia. And, and this isn't just some kind of vague thing. There are specific impacts. I saw something about migratory birds and insects. How does it disrupt them? Yeah, this, this has been, has suddenly over the last 10, 12, 15, 20 years, this has been well studied. And it's been studied across a range of different species from migrating birds to sea turtles to insects to uh, reindeer. And so there are so many impacts here. So we should just take migrating birds. Uh, these are birds that may, maybe travel thousands of miles across across the continents, across the hemispheres, from their breeding grounds to their places where they go and eat and, and live that, their life cycle. And as they're you know, flying these thousands of miles, uh, many of them are drawn by the artificial light and the sky glow coming from cities at a great distance. And they're drawn to those lights and they come into those cities and they're disoriented and they're disrupted and they're tired. Um, and there, there are countless stories of millions and millions of birds being killed every year through the disruption caused by excessive light pollution. Um, insects, it's the same. There was a study in Las Vegas uh, where they literally tracked on radar, they tracked millions of crickets uh, being drawn into the brightest spots in the cities. And, and you might ask, why, why, why should you care about this? What, why, does that, why does it matter if insects, for instance, are drawn off? into the cities. Well, insects are really at the base of our food chain. So if you care about where your food comes from, you should care about pollinators. And if you care about pollinators, you should care about all of the ways that we're harming them. By some accounts, there is been a massive insect decline. We might lose 90% of all our insects within the next decade mm. or so. Wow. Um, there are multitudes of factors behind this from habitat loss to pesticide use. Those are very complex issues to deal with, but one of the simplest issues that they're facing with is light pollution. And when we talk about tackling light pollution, we're not talking about turning off all the lights. We're really just talking about using light more responsibly at night. Using it more responsibly? What does that mean? It really means about thinking about how you're using it. I mean, that's one of the wonderful things about working in this field about light pollution and and dark sky protection, there really are things that every single person can do. And those things really start as you think about how you're lighting your home and your garden. And again, it's not about turning off the lights. It really is, our name really says it all. It's the International Dark Sky Association. We're not the International Dark Ground <laughs> Association. <laughs> um, when you think about it, what, why do you need to light the underside of a plane as it's, as it's flying by? Why do you need to shine the light in um, into your neighbor's yard. You, know, you shine it where you need it, when you need it, in the, in the right quantities and with the right color. And really by taking those simple steps and taking those simple uh, approaches and those changes, you will actually find that you will actually enhance uh, the sense of visibility and safety around your home. Um, I like to say, um, you know, who, who likes driving around at night um, when a car comes around the corner with their high beams on, particularly if those got those very bright um, high um, intensity beams, you, the, your immediate reaction is to look away. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same with lighting around your home. With our ability to put out vast quantities of light is, is essentially unprecedented. You can go into any store, you can buy a fixture. It might look great during the day. You don't really think about the performance at night and inadvertently without thinking you may, might be blasting light directly into your neighbor's yard, annoying them. <laughs> right. I think I was telling you about that earlier. That's happened to me. <laughs> yeah, that's, I tell you, one of the number one complaints we get is people will call our, our office and say, hey, my neighbor just turned out their lights and 
no, even though they might be at a, a distance away, now I can sit on my front porch and I can read the paper. What what can I do? How can you, how can you help me solve this? In a friendly way and still keep keep a neighborly. <laughs> Absolutely. This, this is about going and talking. Again, I think most of the people aren't doing it because they want uh, to be annoying. People are doing it because they don't think about it. So many decisions about lighting are made about how the fixture looks during the day as mm. opposed to how it performs at night. Um, and there are some really simple things that you can look for in, in a fixture. And it really is about, um, as you think about looking at, essentially, can you see the source of the light? Can you see the bare bulb in the fixture? If you can see the bare bulb in the fixture, the light is going to be going all over the place, including directly into your eyes. And we know when light shines into our eyes, our pupils constrict, and we can actually see less well. What do you want to be doing is you want to be putting the light down where you need it, on the steps, on the sidewalk, on your front door, on the porch, wherever it is. So you think about putting it there and, and turning it off when you don't need it. Really, those are the, the simple approaches that we like to talk about here. And from the dark sky standpoint, is there a color temperature of light that's preferable? Yeah, there's a lot of conversation about the, the, the appearance of light. You know, is, is the light warm like a firelight or is it is it cold? Is it bright and blue rich? Uh, light, um, like the light of, you know, coming from, from the sun during the mid middle of the day. And essentially that warm, rich light, the lights that we tend to be drawn to at night are the ones that tend to have a lower impact on the environment. They have a less of an impact on sky glow. Um, they have less of an impact on wildlife as opposed to those very bright fixtures. No, you don't need to be lighting your steps and your sidewalks as if it was the operating room in, in, a, in a hospital. You, it's a, you think about what's the purpose that the light is serving, then you can tune it to match the need. And, and really, I think by choosing those warm colors, you can create a wonderful ambiance and atmosphere around your home and also know that you're doing your part to reduce the impact on the environment. That's kind of what we were discussing earlier as well um, before we started our interview, that it's not just about preserving dark skies and, and worrying about exactly what the light is doing, but it's about creating a better environment for yourself and more preferable to outdoor activities and comfort for your eyes. Yeah, no, yeah it, it's, it is really, it's not about taking anything away from people. We're not about taking all, all the lights away and saying you now have to navigate with a flashlight <laughs> and, a, and a candle. It's really just about teaching people, hey, th this is a real issue. <laughs> and actually solving the issue of light pollution um, actually helps create a wonderful ambiance, uh, can create great places for people. And it's really thinking about, hey, the, the, if, you know, maybe you have some landscape lighting because you want to be able to sit out a at night and then enjoy dinner with your friends. Well, do you need to leave them on all night or do you turn them off when you've stopped using them? You turn them off, you're saving energy and you're going to have less of an impact on the environment. So again, I, I, one of the analogies I like to use is I have a, a, a young son at home and like teaching them to brush their teeth. Like we, we don't leave the sink on 24 seven because we're going to brush our teeth in the morning and the evening. Hmm. We teach them, Hey, when we're brushing our teeth, we wet the toothbrush, we turn it off, we brush our teeth, we turn the, and it's really about thinking about using the light in the same way, thinking about it as a precious resource. Light is a precious resource and darkness is a precious resource. Hmm. We talk a lot about glare in interior light design conversations we have, but I don't know that we think about it as often in exterior light. And I think it's maybe even more important when 
when there's such a contrast between the very bright glaring light and and darkness just outside these pools of light that does make it very difficult to see and navigate through those spaces. You're absolutely right. When, you know, as I'm sure your listeners know, we see through contrast. <laughs> and when we're in a dark location, very bright lights will create that glare, particularly when you have those exposed sources. And that glare will travel for miles. Hmm. Um, if you're like my, my parents live up in a dark location in the northern part of Britain and, and one of the farmyards across the other side of the valley, miles and miles, probably five miles away, uh, changed out one of their lights for a, you know, an energy efficient floodlight. And suddenly um, what was, you know, looking across a dark valley with the village in the distance, though, though your eye is drawn to that source of glare, even though it's miles and miles away. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't think that that farmer set out to annoy their neighbors across the other side <laughs> of the valley. They just weren't aware of, of the impact. They weren't aware that they could you know, light their courtyard so that they could come home and whatever they're doing safely, but think about tilting the light down, thinking about shielding it so that the, the source of glare wasn't visible from miles distance. And it's very similar around your home. And it can be a really simple fix if you are, um, in a showroom helping a customer pick exterior lighting fixtures or if you are picking new fixtures for your own home there's just it's just about pointing the light down rather than out is that basically it that's basically it it's it's about choosing a fixture where the light is pointed down where you need it often down on the ground where the source mm -hmm. is shielded so you can't see it uh, when you're looking at it choosing a warmer color temperature we like to say 3000 kelvin or less. Um, in fact, the International Dark Sky Association has a wonderful um, independent certification program where we certify uh, luminaires and fixtures against a set of objective uh, criteria. And so any fixture that has been certified by the International Dark Sky Association as Dark Sky approved really has those characteristics. And any consumer can look for the IDA seal of approval on the box and know that that fixture inside has been carefully evaluated and has been carefully designed just create a better quality light uh, for, the, for, for your neighbors. And you also have a process to help retailers as well, correct? Yeah, we, we, um, we have a program for, for retailers who offer certified products and offer uh, educational tools and resources to their consumers so that they can help the consumers become more informed about, about their choices. You know, we, we really believe that the, the lighting manufacturers and the distributors and the retailers are an essential part of both raising awareness of this issue and then providing people simple solutions uh, so that they can have the sort of better quality light that we all deserve. We'll get back to our conversation in just a minute, but first a message from our sponsors. This year, Hinkley is celebrating a century of style. That's 100 years in business. Hinkley is proud to be a fourth-generation family company with the mission of providing customers with exceptional lighting and ceiling fan products. They understand the passion their customers feel for their homes and are dedicated to helping them realize their vision. Learn more about the company, including some incredible charity work they do, at Hinkley.com. Kitchler Lighting is more than just a lighting company. They're a bring people together company focused on strengthening and growing relationships. They're constantly innovating, creating on-trend designs and delivering high quality product. Learn more and find inspiration and ideas at kitchler.com. 
There's a lot of information on your website, darksky.org, and we will put some links to that in the show notes for everyone so they can read more about some of these specific things, exactly what to look for in a fixture, how to get, if you're a manufacturer, how to get your, how to submit your fixture for certification for the International Dark Sky Association. Yeah, it's a very simple process. We have thousands of fixtures that are certified both in the commercial and the residential space. Uh, in many countries around the world, we have all of the big, many of the big large manufacturers are part of the program. We have over 100 manufacturers who um, sell thousands of products every day. I mean, it, it, it really is. <laughs> it has to be good for business. I mean, it has to be good for the consumer. It has to be good for business. It, it is about helping people make smarter lighting decisions. And controls are also part of that. Um, we've talked about the fixtures, but you've also mentioned just turning the lights off when you're not there. So motion sensors, timers, I'm sure that's part of part of the solution as well. Yeah, and I think that's, that's I'd say that there's more and more work in that space as people start to move beyond sort of traditional motion sensors to sort of smart homes and controls where you can have, you know, program the lights to be on when you need them, when you're going to be coming home and turn them off when you're not around and yes, put them on a motion sensor. Um, and, and I think increasingly looking at how you can tune the spectral content, how you can tune the color uh, to meet the needs uh, mm -hmm. that that might change o o over time. So really, these are really exciting frontiers for the for the light pollution world. I think that it, there's also the uh, the challenge. I think along with that, we have seen a proliferation of really bad fixtures because mm. it is so so easy to build a, a, a fixture where you you sell it. Oh, this is a fixture. You know, hundred bucks, ten thousand lumens, or whatever the number is. There's some mm. incredible quantity of light, and and people have the sense that oh. A little bit of light is good, so more must be better, right? That will automatically make me safer. And as anyone who works with light knows, it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, and I really think that's really where the, the lighting retailers and the manufacturers and the distributors come in and really helping people understand what's really going on. How do we really see what really enhances uh, both our actual safety and our sense of safety. So efficiency here is really a double-edged sword. Uh, a 5,000K LED is going to be more efficient than a 2,700K fixture sometimes. It'll put out more lumens per watt, but if it's putting out more lumens than is even good, who cares? I mean, don't you want the less, slightly less efficient, but warmer, less bright light for this, for most circumstances? Well, I, I think if efficiency has certainly has been the driver of putting out higher color temperature lights over the last 10, 15 years or so. Um, and I think a couple of things are happening. One is the the relative efficiency of a you know 4000k fixture versus a 2700 even a 2200k fixture these days the, the difference has been narrowing mm -hmm. <laughs> has been narrowing every year so we're seeing much more efficient 2700k fixtures even 2200k fixtures that also have good color rendering index usually you're not you're not forsaking color rendering your ability to perceive color differences at night but i think looking ahead we need to move away from efficiency measures like lumens per watt to looking at actually application efficiency. Mm -hmm. So again, you got you know the, the 4000k fixture might be efficient, but if you have it on for six hours overnight where you don't need it, it ceases to be efficient. It is just pure waste that you're paying mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. So it's much better to choose um, a fixture 
that minimize, you know, enhances visibility, minimizes impact on light pollution, then think about putting it on control so you can actually achieve the ultimate savings as by having it off when you don't need it and having it on when you do need it. So I think really that that's 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 the future in the lighting industry is moving away from lumen efficiency to application efficiency. And, and that also comes in with the, the shielding, you know, um, the, the light from an efficient bulb that is going straight in the air, it might be efficient, but it's serving no useful purpose. Um, as opposed to, oh, now I'm harnessing all of the lumens and I'm putting them down where I need it. Well, that's efficient. And there are a lot of, now with the products and the controls and capabilities out there, there are, if you already have a fixture that um, more or less directs the light in, in the areas that it's needed, um, for instance, I had some outside of my house when we moved in, but the bulbs were very bright, um, you know, very high temperature. And so I just purchased bulbs that I could control the color temperature and put on timers, uh, through an app on my phone. And yep. it might not be the best solution, but it's definitely better than it was. And it was very cost-effective. I actually did exactly the same thing around my home. I had some <laughs> uh, very bad fixtures when I when I moved into this home in in, in uh, Tucson. Um, they looked nice, but they have glass sides, and they had um, you could see the two naked bulbs in there, and they are blasting mm -hmm. light out into the yard and you know causing that glare when I was coming home. Um, and I got some. I just I wasn't in a position I could afford whole new fixtures, but I I, I got some directional bulbs that pointed the light down in kind of warm cones and it, you know it's not perfect but it really solved the problem for the cost of uh, putting in a new bulb now i'd love to get some beautiful new dark sky fixtures and that's the other thing like in terms of design trends the there's sort of the barnyard lights the old-fashioned lights that pointed down are, are fashionable at the moment so you're not even compromising sort of you know curb appeal for for you know the, the, these fixtures can look really great during the day as well i think that's really important to people so final thoughts, what haven't we asked that you'd like to tell us? I, we're, we're just really encouraged by the, the, the general growth and awareness of the, of the value of dark skies, the impact that light pollution is having on all living things, and to see the industry and the manufacturers come on board and say, hey, we want to be part of the solution. Um, help, help us understand how we can provide better products um, that can serve the needs of, of our customers and also minimize our impact. No, minimizing our impact on the environment is, is really critical in, in so many ways. And I think light pollution, working on light pollution locally is so good because you can see the immediate results. It's, you don't have to wait a long period of time to see the results. You, you, you change out that fixture, you put it on a controller, you put it on a timer, you, as you did, you swap out the bulb, you can feel good for doing your part to help. Uh, make the planet a little bit more sustainable. And one thing I don't think we explicitly said in this interview was the brighter lights, the way that our eyes view light actually can make things less safe around your home by hiding the places that aren't lit even more effectively. So it's another great point. Yeah, I think, you know, we, again, we've, we've all seen those old movies where they bring in the people to interrogate them. And the first thing they do is they, <laughs> they take the old angle poise light and they, they shine it in their eyes and the poor sus the, the suspect cannot see anything. Well, we're kind of doing the same with the lights around our home. When you have been introduced to the difference between good or good and bad light, there's no going back. You will see bad light everywhere <laughs> once you know what to look for. And then you start to understand, as you say, yeah, good light enhances visibility because our eyes are exquisitely adapted. 
you know, we, we, we can navigate around what is a hundred thousand lux during the day when the sun's up and we can navigate around under a half moon under, you know, 0.01 lux or some very, very small level. Our eyes are able to adapt if we allow them to adapt. Um, and so really thinking about designing home lighting around your home that works with the wonderful um, nature of our eye is, is really what this is all about. So as we said, there are a ton of great resources on your website, darksky.org. One thing I noticed is that there are actually local chapters of people that come together and try to help with the Dark Sky efforts in their communities. Is that correct? Yeah, the wonderful thing about the International Dark Sky Association, really the Dark Sky movement as a whole, is it really is a global movement. There, are, We have chapters and groups active in at least 60 countries. Uh, around the world, united in, the, in their belief that, you know, around the value of naturally dark skies and really that responsible lighting has a part to play in solving it. So local groups you can get involved with, they're working on measuring light pollution, measuring sky quality, talking to their neighbors about doing home lighting assessments and, and encouraging people to look for, you know, products like idea approved products as they, as they consider the lighting solutions around their home. So go to darksky.org, you can learn more, there are ways that you can get involved in your community. That's great. I love talking about this because it's it's something that affects everyone and our environment more than I think a lot of people know. And it's also an easy fix. It's something that we can act on today, which is so wonderful. And there aren't a lot of things like that. So let's take advantage. Yeah. Immediate results when you tackle it. So, and it, 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 th thanks for inviting me on to talk about this important issue. And we look forward to working with your members and retailers and manufacturers to increase the availability of dark sky approved products. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Part of the takeaway here is that this is something that's super easy to do. In fact, Rael, last week for International Dark Sky Week, you actually organized a little neighborhood project. Yeah, I shared with my community group in my neighborhood that there's a um, handout on actually darksky.org that you can reference that gives you a list of steps to take to assess your outdoor lighting and see if it is dark sky friendly and make some easy changes to improve that. Um, and people were excited about it. I had a, <laughs> a lot of neighbors chimed in and said that they were going to do the same and liked the idea, especially out in our area. We live in more of a rural area. And so I think people are particularly aware as the development increases out here, mm. how that's changing the skies um, in the obvious way, not being able to see as many stars, but this is a more complex uh, topic than that. And that's what I loved hearing from Ruskin about. Where you are, can you at night see the Milky Way? I, I mean, I can't where I am, but maybe you can? Sometimes if it's a clear night. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can. It's, it is really nice. <laughs> see, I think that's something we miss out on or it's something I miss out on. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronomer. I would go to camp in the summers and being able to see that is something that all humans have done forever for thousands and thousands of years. And up until the last hundred years or so, everybody's had that experience and it would be nice that we could continue to have that experience, all of us. Right. Not just on camping getaways and, mm -hmm. and things like that. If more of us have it on a, on a daily basis, that would be great. And mentioning Dark Sky's website, there are mm. tons of resources that consumers can reference or retailers could use. It'd be a great way to start conversations in a showroom setting. Maybe you're selling a 
lighting solution for an outdoor space and it could lead conversations into different products for mm-hmm. just lighting the, the front of your home and different areas and convince people that there's more to it than just a pretty fixture. So I think that would be great. Well, and we touched on it, but I've I've heard this in other areas before too, that it is hard for your eyes to adjust when you've got a really bright light. You can't see what's just outside that pool of really bright light. So your eyes adjust better and you can see more when you have a little bit of light so it doesn't blast your retinas and you can see what's in the shadows. So you know, safety-wise, environmental-wise, there are lots of, of different reasons to do it. Also for manufacturers, there is a pretty simple streamlined application process to get your fixtures certified as dark sky friendly. So if you've got fixtures that are shielded and point light down where people can actually use it, Consider submitting your fixtures for a dark sky approval to help get the word out there that that's a thing to to look for and do. Yeah, as Ruskin mentioned, a lot of the products that are trendy right now from a design standpoint are actually inherently dark sky friendly. So I bet there are more of them out there than people might think when we really start to look at it. So absolutely great place to start. We have actually also talked um, about folding some more dark sky information into our landscape lighting education and webinars and um, courses so look for that in the future Um, and if you're interested in finding out more about that send us an email at podcast at alalighting.com and let us know that you're interested and we'll develop more resources on this topic or if that's not your cup of tea send us other topics that you're interested in hearing about we definitely want to hear from you so We want to make sure that the people out here, that we see the numbers of people listening, but we'd love to actually hear your voice and hear what you'd like to hear us talk about. Always. And another thing that I'd like to mention is this year is going by so quickly. It is almost September, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It feels like it at least. But September 11th through 13 is the return of the ALA in-person conference in Austin, Texas live and in person. I'm so excited. I know I am too. We're going to have some incredible speakers there talking about topics ranging from the future of housing and forecasting, how changes in the housing market are going to provide new opportunities to lighting manufacturers and retailers to even management and tips on how to manage people and Mm have more effective conversations within your business. It's going to be a great conference and I'm so excited to see everyone there. If you're interested, please visit alaconference.com to learn more, register for the event and book your hotel room at the Austin Marriott downtown using the discounted ALA rate. There really is something for everyone in the industry. So we really do hope to see you there. the, The last couple of years, we've had these virtual conferences, which have been lovely, but it is it is nice to have the full-on live conference for a change. Yeah, there's nothing like being able to meet in person and the networking mm-hmm. and business growth that comes from that experience. Mm-hmm. So we really hope that you will you will join us there. Thanks again to our sponsors, Hinkley and Kitchler. And don't forget, stay brilliant.